1 Corinthians chapter 1. Good morning. And uh, we'll uh, get rolling here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and uh, we are down in verse 19. We're going to pick up and we're going to take some chunks here. Not really. <clears throat> anyway, we're going to try to take some chunks. Verse number 19 and uh, down. Let's just read. Uh, we'll start reading in verse 17. Uh, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, but the Greeks seek after wisdom. We preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block, but under the Greeks foolishness. But under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of whom are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now, I read that whole section there just so that you get that into your mind, because what Paul is going to do now is he's going to begin to dress, to address the real core issue at Corinth, and really for us all, and that is the valuing of human wisdom, human intellect, human education, human rationale over God's wisdom, God's thinking, God's viewpoint, God's word. And he's going to take chapter 1 to 4, one of the bigger sections. I, he does it in, in chapters 12, 13, and 14 about the sign gifts, the spiritual gifts and stuff. But he takes this bigger chunk here, these first four chapters, because this is a fundamental issue within, at Corinth, why they're having problems at Corinth, the, the, the immorality, the bad behavior, and so forth. But yet also in the body as a whole, we tend to fall in this as well because we'll say, you know, you'll hear people say, well, I just don't like the way he teaches or the, what he just said. But yet when you come into the God, God's word, God's word says that. So really you're not not liking Rick, just use me. You're really what? Upset with the word, see. And what happens then is, is then we start following human reasoning, human wisdom, and we left God's word, and now we're over here in stuff that we should never be in, just in a general broad statement. This is usually the issue, again, with us all. And the fundamental issue here at Corinth that has led to all the problems at Corinth is that they began to value God, human wisdom over God's wisdom. 
And again, as we start in verse 19, we can't, you have to remember the context here. Verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So the preaching of the cross, look down at chapter 2, verse number 2. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, so the context of now dealing with valuing human wisdom over God's wisdom is in the context of the preaching of the cross. So when we go from verse 19 to verse 31, and we're not doing all that today, okay? Okay, we're going to get a couple verses today, all right? Is in to understand what Paul is going to be amplifying and teaching us is to remember the immediate context. The immediate context has to do with the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the truth. Because he's going to say in verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. There's some things that are going to happen here that how does God destroy? We're going to look at that in just a second. And again, if, by the way, verse 23, chapter 1, verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified. So clearly the issue here is what God in his wisdom has accomplished at Calvary versus what man's wisdom now says. And literally what Paul is going to do here now is he's going to amplify the, how God answered man's wisdom, okay? Verse 18, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is what? It's the power of God. So again, as we go from verse 19 to 31, this section here, you have to remember it all has to do with the preaching of the cross, just as he dealt with the issue of water baptism earlier in those with the four men and so forth, the four different viewpoints, here again he's like, okay, guys, remember we spent two, three weeks, couple week, couple about a month ago now, looking at how all the four different guys, all Peter, Cephas, uh, Christ, and preached the preaching of the cross, how they differed. Now, as we get into this, and what Paul's going to declare here is, verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. God is going to now, now Paul's going to amplify and he's going to get into how God answers and deals with, he's going to destroy the wisdom of the, of the world, the wisdom of the wise. By the way, if you look at verse 21, the second part of it, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. Preaching what? The cross to save them that believe. So there's two things happening here in verse 19 to 25, which is what we're going to cover this morning. Okay? Lord willing. One, he's going to destroy the system of human wisdom. And then two, he's going he's gonna, to foolishness. He's going to make human wisdom look foolish. And how he's going to do that is the issue of preaching of the cross, the preaching, the preaching of the truth. Now, in verse 19, when he says, I will destroy, 
he's not talking about eradicating human wisdom, okay? He's, he, he can't do that unless he did what? Got rid, got rid of human, humanity, see? He's not talking about reaching down in there and just completely getting rid of all human wisdom. Rather, when he talks about destruction here and destroying, he's talking about answering human wisdom with the preaching of the cross. Uh, come over with me to Ephesians 2. So he's going to destroy human wisdom. How's he going to do that? By the preaching of the cross. Now, who does that? Well, you and I do that. The church, the body of Christ. His ambassador corps does that. Human wisdom, Ephesians chapter 2, human wisdom still operates. If it was a matter of just getting rid of human wisdom, he could have did that back in with Adam and Eve. He could have just hit the cancel button and canceled it all and started all over. But that's not the goal. See, there's a difference between might and wisdom. See, God is God creator. He could have said what? It's all done. You guys ever remember the Etch-A-Sketch and you draw and you shake it? He could have easily done that. Etch-A-Sketch the whole deal. But he didn't because he had a what? He had a wisdom plan. Satan, he's a, he's, he's a created cherub. Satan knows that he can't defeat God mano to mano. He has to do what? A better wisdom plan. The I will plan merchandise it, traffic it, get it out there. So Ephesians 2, verse number 2, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, human wisdom, the satanic lie. Romans 1.25, they take the truth of God and make it into a lie, and they cause the creature to be worshipped more than the creator. Romans 1.25, that's a wonderful little verse that sums up what Satan's been doing since Genesis. According to the prince of the power of the air. And I'll remind you that according to, here's the blueprint. How's this thing working? Well, it's working according to the prince, the power of the air. It's his program. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now watch, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past. In the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath even as others. So the human wisdom is still ongoing. It's, part, it's the course of this world, and it's a real threat. So back here in 1 Corinthians 1.19, when Paul says, I will, God says, I will destroy the human wisdom, he's not going to eradicate it yet. One day he will, but not right now. Rather, what God is doing is he's, he says, I've got the truth. I've got a message, the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the truth, that's going to render human wisdom worthless useless. And how I'm going to do that, 1 Corinthians 1.19, is by the preaching of the cross. Okay? So when he says destroy here, if he was destroying human wisdom, he's doing a poor job of it because it's everywhere. See? It isn't that. He's a, I'm going to render that where you're going to look at that and say that mess is useless. It's vain. It's empty. There's nothing in it. And now I need the truth, and let's get over there. So back in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 19, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So now Paul is going to quote Isaiah 29. 
So we've got to go back to Isaiah 29. And it's interesting, Paul, by the way, Paul says, for it is written. He will say, as it is written. He never says, in fulfillment of. You and I do not fulfill prophetic scriptures at all, period. Okay? To say that we do is that issue of good words and fair speeches. It's that wisdom of words stuff we were talking about back up in verse 17. No, you and I don't do he, Paul says, but there is a parallel in Israel's history that you need to see here. And again, Romans 15, the, uh, for whatsoever things were written aforetime are written for our learning. Not obedience, but learning. So he pulls a passage, Isaiah 29. And he's going to say here, and, and by the way, you ought to pay attention to when Paul does this. And go back and study Isaiah, like Isaiah 29, we're just going to jump in it here, okay? But And see what's going on in Israel's history that Paul says now at Corinth, a similar, a parallel situation's going on, and look at what happened to Israel and what God did to Israel, because guess what's coming your way? A similar thing here. Isaiah 29, the quote is in verse 13 and 14, or well, verse 14, but verse 13. Wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people, that's Israel, draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept. See, what is, what's Israel's problem? They're over here doing the ceremonies, but where's their heart? It's in somewhere else. Now watch the consequence. Verse 14, therefore... Behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. We've got a parallel situation here. Paul's going to draw in on this. The problem in Israel, and really in her history, is that they have placed greater value on the wise men, the wisdom of their wise men, and the understanding of their prudent men. They've placed greater value on human reasoning, human rationale, human intelligence. And you know what God says? All that's going to, I'm going to destroy it all. It's not going to be there anymore. The, their wise men are going to perish. Their understanding men are, their prudent men are gone. So what is there? There is a consequence to rejecting God's word and valuing human wisdom. Now drop your, roll your eye back up to verse 10, 29-10. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of a deep sleep and hath closed your eyes, and the prophets and your rulers, the seers, have he covered. Now think about that. God is not preventing Israel from learning. He wants them to learn. He wants them to grow and to be his people. But what have they chosen? The wisdom of their wise. They've chosen human wisdom. So the ones, so God, God says, I want you to be my people. But you've made the choice to do what? Something else. Therefore, you're done. See, there's a consequence here. Israel has a consequence to their rebellion. You don't want to believe? Therefore, you're what? You're not going to believe. Verse 11, and the visions 
of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed. Isn't that interesting? What did he just do to God's word? He sealed it up from them. They're going to say, uh, which men delivered to, to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I am not learned. Wherefore the Lord said, You guys, you guys are out here doing the, the religious ceremonial stuff, but your heart is sitting over here with Baal, with human wisdom. Verse 14, Therefore... What am I going to do? For the wisdom of their, the end of verse 14, of their wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. I'm shutting you down. You had the opportunity, but you rejected my word. You're not, Israel's not doing what God had asked them to do. So Paul, come back to chapter 1, verse 19, what's Paul do here? He says, look, Corinth, there's a parallel situation here that's happened in Israel, and you need to see it because what did Israel do? They went after human wisdom and human rationale and human elect and human education. They value that more than they value God's word. Therefore, what God do to Israel? Consequence, no more. What's coming your way? A consequence. And the consequence in, in, in 1 Corinthians is the immorality. It's all the problems they're having spiritually because what they're doing here is they've left God's word. They're following human wisdom. Now, again, remember where Corinth is, Greece. What sits in Greece? The great philosophers of the, of the world. And if you ask them, they'll tell you that. Okay. And so there's a natural gravitation toward human wisdom. Verse 19. Paul, again, God, I will destroy. How is God going to destroy? How is God going to make human wisdom ineffective, useless? By the preaching of the cross, by the preaching of the truth. Again, now, but what does the world look at it? What do they say? What foolishness that is. You guys are a bunch of fools. You guys believe in a dead Jew hanging on a tree. What are you guys, nuts? You're fools. And God says, yeah, but that's my wisdom. That's where you need to be. And he's going to destroy it. Now, by the way, I'll say this because I just thought about it. When we're talking about here about human wisdom, we're not talking about going and getting higher education. Okay? We're not, Paul is not saying just learn your ABCs and your one, two, threes and be done at all. Okay? He's talking about human wisdom in connection with spiritual understanding. You know a little place called a seminary? Cemetery, I call them, but seminaries? Uh-uh, you don't go there to get human wisdom, rationale, thinking to figure out the spiritual. Where do you go to get the spiritual? God's Word, see? And again, we'll get down, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here in, my, in what we're saying, but... The men that go to seminary don't go there with the thought of deceiving and being deceitful, see. But the product, the course of it all, produces exactly what the adversary wants it to produce, which then is to go in and good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Using wisdom of words, verse 17. I had a guy one time ask me, where'd you go to school? I said, school of hard knocks. <laughs> No, really, where is it? 
School of Hard Knocks. He's like, so you mean you didn't, you're not formally trained? I said, well, 2 Timothy 2.15 says I am. So if you got a problem with that, then you deal with 2 Timothy 2.15. You know, study to show thyself approved. You know, anyway, verse 20. Now watch Paul develop this out here. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Now, again, how is, how, how is God going to make it all foolish? By the preaching of the cross with the truth. What, does, what is offensive of the cross? We, we've looked at the, it says what to man's righteousness. <clears throat> Ain't going to get it done. See, what's offensive to you and I, to humanity, is what does man say? Give me something to do. Let me help. The cross isn't enough. I've got to do my part. God's, the preaching of the cross says, no, you don't. Not at all. You can't do anything. Only God can do it. Man's best argument, best rationale, best logic, best thinking can't get anyone to heaven. Only God can do that. That's now what Paul is going to develop out. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Notice something. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? And then there's a disputer, isn't there? Now, drop down to verse 22. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greek seek after wisdom. So now we've got the Greek, and now we've got the Jews. You've got two categories here, two, two uh, mechanisms, two different lines of opposition to the preaching of the cross. You've got two different avenues here now that Paul's going to address. Actually, there's a third one, but we'll, we'll talk about the disputer in just a minute. Okay? Two main systems that are going to come along now, and they're going to object to the preaching of the cross, to the preaching of the truth, to saying that justification unto eternal life is by faith alone. Then your walk in time and your sanctification is by faith. And your glorification, and so, and by the way, a rapture, the rapture is under attack today, by the way, in mainline Christianity. It's been that way for the last 20 years. It's ramping up. A lot of it comes because they're Bible dumbbells. They, they're bi biblically ignorant. You read a verse to them and they go, I never saw that verse. What do you mean? You're sitting here arguing about the rapture and you never read 1 Corinthians 15? Well, you know. Anyway, I can get off my hobby horse, okay? Hobby horses are fun, though, sometimes. <laughs> Two different, so the Greek, wise. Notice verse 22 did not say Gentile. Now, is a Greek a Gentile? Yes, but he doesn't say Gentile. He says Greek. So in Paul's epistles, when he, come back with me to Romans 1. When he talks about, well, hold on to 1 Corinthians 1 just for a second. When he talks about the Greek here, in Paul's epistles, yes, they are Gentiles, 
but they are a specific category of Gentile. The Greeks seek after what? Wisdom. So then Romans 1. So what are they? They are educated. They're educated. They're going to be in the human rationale. That's where they're going to function and flow. They're up in the white ivory tower, guys. Now look at Ephesians, Romans 1, verse 14, just to draw your contrast. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the who? Who are the barbarians? They're the uneducated category within the Gentiles. Okay? Both to the wise and to the what? Unwise. See, barbarians, unwise. So when you come back there to 1 Corinthians 1, so when you begin to talk about these categories, they're the educated. They're going to function in the rationale. The Jews, what do they seek? They seek a sign. Here's the religion. They're the, they're the religion. These guys are going to use the scripture. These guys are going to use the latest educated rationale, logic, thinking processes out there. You, you see what's happening here? So, Paul uses the Greek educated, those of the human wisdom and so forth. And again, I'm not, we're, Paul nor I am I attacking and saying, don't go to a university or don't go get a higher education. That's not that at all. But you can't go to get all of that to have spiritual understanding, to have spiritual insight. You'll never gain the spiritual understanding by the way of human wisdom. By the way, you're back in 1 Corinthians. Look over at chapter 2. He's going to develop this out more as we go, not this morning, but as we go. Look at 2.9, 1 Corinthians 2.9. <coughs> but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Now, by the way, never read verse 9 without reading the beginning of verse 10. Because if you just stop at the end of verse 9, you think God never revealed anything. But he did. Well, how did he do it? By his Spirit and the written Word of God and following, okay? But notice the eye gate, the ear gate, the heart gate. The three ways man knows something. We see it, we hear it, and then we believe it. And you know what he says? When, you're, when man is left alone on his own, he will never get there in his own wisdom. What does he need? He needs to have some, the word of God. So go back to verse 20. Where is the wise? So we got the wise. Where is the scribe? Again, the Lord in his earthly ministry would deal with the chief priests and scribes. What do the scribes write out? They got the scripture down. These are the theologians. Okay, they're the theologians, they're the religious yuckety yucks. But then he says a disputer. The disputer is the debater. The disputer is the one who comes in and takes the position of the Greek or the Jew and then argues it out. That's the disputer. So the disputer sits, he doesn't have his own line. He sits here 
and that he's either going to be a one or he's going to operate in whichever realm pays him the most money. Because what is he? He's a lawyer. He's for hire. He's a professional orator. He's a guy who can come in and he can take whatever position he's paid, professional, uh, polished, talented, skilled, and he can take the position of the Greeks, the wisdom, or he can take the position of Scripture, and he can argue it out, and he'll be smooth as butter, and he'll have you, he'll persuade you, and he'll use good words and fair speeches, and we'll see that here in just a second. You see, the Greeks, the disputer is not independent of the wise and the scribe, okay? They just, whatever. So when you see, when you, you, in Acts, you see Paul go before uh, uh, Festus, and he's on one side, and the Jews are on the other, and they're arguing back and forth. The Jew that's over here arguing is the disputer. He's paid to do that. That's his job. His job's to come. That's why Paul will make the reference there. Hey, look, you Pharisee. Now, by the way, one, the Pharisees are sitting there. So are the Sadducees. And, all, and he says, listen, I preach that he resurrect. You guys believe that. And the orator goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's right, but we don't say. And see, he, quick on his feet, knows all the angles, knows all the different things. He's a lawyer, if you will, okay? Not, nothing against lawyers. If you're a lawyer, I love you. I need your help. You know, good deal. But that's, that's the realm that these guys work in. So the Greek, the Jew, they're going to object to the preaching of the cross. And they're going to go out and they're going to recruit, recruit paid, skilled, talented, professional or, orators. And they're coming after you. Because what do you and I preach? The truth. And what do they do? They come in and they say, what do you mean you don't have a degree in Greek or Hebrew? What do you mean you don't know? I didn't say I didn't know. I just said I didn't waste $50,000 at the university trying to learn how to do something that I don't need to do. I have it right here in English. See, I had a guy one time do that. We were meeting at baseline. He came in and he, his, he, he, I, at baseline we had chairs and tables and we were all on the same level. And I looked over, and half his Bible's Greek, and the, then the column of English. And, he's, and I go, can you read that? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he starts reading the English. I said, no, read the Greek. He's like, well, um, I can't. I go, then why do you have, well, it makes me more spiritual. That's, or, that's oration, that he's been taught that somewhere. And I'm sitting there going, well, dude, just, you know, okay, whatever. And then I went on and taught out of English because that's, you know, it's just Greek to me. So the Greek, wise, they're going to use human intellect to object, but the scribe is going to use scripture to object. They're going to be scriptural but not dispensational. Now, come back to Romans 16 because what Paul's doing here is he's reminding where we've been in the book of Romans. Romans 16. Again, First time Paul brings up Satan and his plan of attack is here at the end of Romans 16. Romans 16, verse 17. 
Now I beseech, by the way, verse 20, because we won't get there, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan. Satan. That's the first time in Paul's epistles he used Satan in Roman, the name. And he doesn't go in and give us the big history like Ezekiel and Isaiah does. He just says, here's how he's operating today. And by the way, he's not operating the same way he operated in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So demonic uh, 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 possession and all that is not how he's operating today. How is he operating? Verse 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrines which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are searched serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. What are they? Their self-interest. That they're, they're paid orators. They're getting a paycheck. So we're going to take a stance. But how do they do it? And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. What do they do? Here's the oration. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to argue out this stupidity that's this preaching of the cross and Christ dying and his faith and faith alone. Really? Based on what? Based on James 2. 1 John 1, based on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts. And you go, wait a minute, James 1.1 1, 1 tells you who that book's written to, but we don't read that verse. See, 1 John tells you who he's talking about, but we don't read that verse. And it's like, but if you're, that's the simple part here. By the way, the deceive the hearts of the simple, that's not idiot, you know, simple and can't understand. That's rather simple in that they, don't, they haven't learned the doctrines yet of Romans, see. And what are you? If you're not grounded in doctrines in Romans, those four pillars, what happens? You're susceptible to becoming a victim to the satanic attack. And you have to be on guard with that, see. These guys come in, they're making a living objecting to what you and I preach and teach and believe. And they're doing it in such a way that, man, good words and fair speeches. <laughs> you know how hard that is to beat and to defeat? That's very difficult. I'll tell you what. I've learned over 25 years of being a pastor, ministering, and, an, and a lifetime of being in ministry, growing up in it, that a man with an experience beats a man with a verse every day. And there's nothing that we with the verses can do about it. Why? I have not seen, ear hath not heard, heart. Why? Because that's how man operates. What does man do? We're going to go after the rationale and the logic of it, and we're going to forget the foolishness of God's word. Paul says there's consequences to that. And the consequences is to where you're at. Did you have something? Right. Yep. Right. 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 Well, I'm glad you found us. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to First Corinthians one. Very good. 
because Paul's going to continue to develop this out, okay? Verse 20, where's the wise, where's the scribe, where's the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And again, it's a question, and the answer is yes. But only if you do what? Only it's, it's, a, it's a power to them, to us, which are saved, it is the power of God, the end of verse 18. It's only if you're believing it. If you don't believe it, you look at you. When you tell folks, and maybe you don't tell people this, but you should, that you go to church on Sunday morning from 9.30 to 12, Sunday night from 6 to whenever the preacher shuts up, Wednesday night from whenever from 7 to whenever, and they look at you going, you go for four hours? What do you do? Well, we study. You study? You don't even, what, well, what, what about the, the music and all that? No, we study. We learn. We grow. And oh, by the way, the end of the, uh, the fourth Friday, we go down to Tucson. Monday night, we're down in Queen Creek. Tuesday night, you know, all this. And they're going, what are you, nuts? And it's like, well, I guess so. <laughs> if you, but that's how they look at you. That's how they view you. Now, verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, verse 21 is a verse for you and I today that kicks Calvinism in the teeth. Because what is they, Calvinism and the, those kind of uh, covenant theology doctrines... They have this wonderful thing about the sovereignty of the sovereign free will of God. None of that's in Scripture, by the way. The idea, the principles are, but that, that terminology. What is the sovereign free will of God in verse 21? What is the end of that verse? It pleased God. It pleased God. Isn't that interesting? Here's what's pleasing to God. Here's what his free will, his sovereign free will is all about. By the foolishness of what? Preaching to save them that he chose before the foundation of the world. No, to them that what? Believe. You see, the free will of God, the sovereign free will of God used there is not, I pre-planned your life. It's for what? For you to believe. That just nullifies all of that mess. The problem is, is we like that mess because it gets us off the hook from time to time. Well, God meant for me to have that new, you know, set of hiking boots. God meant for me to have, because back there, and, you know, my wife's looking at me going, no, you dummy. You wanted that new set of hiking boots. <laughs> well, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> what did she say? And the consequences that came with it, exactly. Yeah. Which is never hearing the end of it, see, okay? <laughs> anyway, verse 21. What's that? What's that? Uh, blisters, yes. I did get a blister. Okay, verse 21. What are we doing? We're preaching the cross, right? We're not engaged in a theological battle. We're not engaged in this stuff. What are we doing? We're preaching the cross. We're not in a battle we're not in the battle of, of let me, uh, we're in the battle of doctrines learned, okay? 
You and I do not need to defend God's word. We got to let the lion out of the cage, as it has been said. When you take the God's word and you put it on the table with error, truth will win the day. Problem is, is we don't like to put the truth on the table. We just kind of come over here and go, oh, don't attack me, don't attack me, and run away. That's why the armor is all forward-facing, nothing to cover your back end. You're, not, you're supposed to stand. You see, in verse 21, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But the thing is, is we're to preach the truth. We're to stick with the word. We're to stick with the book. And we, again, we don't have to defend God's word. We just got to get it into the marketplace of ideas, as another gentleman said one time. We just got to let that lion out of its cage, and then it'll go to work. It'll do the job. The problem is, is we get intimidated by this guy, and we say, okay, no, we're not going to do that, you know, because he rolls up and rolls out his, his uh, CV, and it's 80 pages full of all this stuff that he went through. And none of it is truth. The two systems, the scribe, the white, the Jew, the Greek, the disputer, they, they let, again, think about that issue here. Verse 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Think about the whys, the two systems. He just take, took us back to Romans chapter 1. So let's go back to Romans 1. Romans chapter 1. Again, verse 14, we read it just a minute ago. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Okay, the educated, the uneducated. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now think about, there's our 1 Corinthians 1.18. All right, what are we? Preaching the cross to, to the Jews and to the Greeks, the two systems. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. How do they, cons what, how, what is their mindset of truth? It's unrighteous. It's illegitimate. It's wrong. It's foolishness. Verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are what? Without excuse. They know there's a God. Okay? You cannot go down into the bottom end of that Grand Canyon like I did for four days and three nights and not know that there's somebody or something bigger than you. Only a fool says that there isn't. See? Well, what are, what are we doing here? The wise. They know. Again, 1 Corinthians 1, 21, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. They know God. 
They know there is a God. They just are going to do what now? We got to get around him because he's the judge. Verse 21, Romans 1, 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. A professor. Where do we see professors? In the education system. And what are they doing? By the way, you see it in the theology system too. What are they doing? They're professing something, and they're really what? Fools. They've got a human intellect and not a divine intellect. Verse 23. Now watch that. that but this is just, by the way, imaginations, but became vain. Imaginations are not true. They're not factual. They're dreams. You know, oh, he had a vivid imagination. Really? Then that means what he vividly imagined is not what? Is not reality. But guess what we have today? We have alternate realities today, don't we? Look, you know, you buy the big goggle glasses, Google goggle whatever things, and you put on there, and now you, you know, you're, now you're in an alternate reality. You're in the matrix. I told you. It's coming, baby. Unplug. <laughs> okay? Just kidding. See, I got, you know, spin it out there just like everybody else. Mine as well, right? But see, it's an alternate you know, you, the, all the stuff right now, I'm getting a lot of emails uh, from Christian organizations about AI and the pulpit and different things like that. And I'll be honest with you, it is scary what they can do with the computer. They can literally take one of my messages and make me say stuff I didn't say. It looks just like I said it. And you know what? There's no way that I can defend it. By the way, you can't defend a lie anyway. You just give credence to it if you go after it. But I, they literally can take me and make me say that it's faith plus works all day long. And it looks real. It looks just like it's looking this morning. It's scary as I'll get. But it's what? Imaginations. It's not true. It's not reality. Now, look, imagination, their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise. Now, look at what they did in verse 23. And let's see if you can catch what they developed. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into, by the way, the glory of the uncorruptible God. That is the Godhead bodily, the Lord Jesus Christ. Man. We are created in his image, in his likeness. So he takes man. They take man. And they move man, i.e. the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, the ultimate, the goat, the greatest of all time. And they... Move him into an image made like unto corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and to creeping things. Do you know of a system out there that was developed that uses that system for the issues of creation? It's called evolution. Paul predicted evolution when he wrote Romans 1, 23. Because what does revolu revolution, <laughs> evolution say? You're what? You're a tadpole, creepy thing, and then you became a four-footed beast. Then you became a bird, and then you became a what? A man. What? Whoa. They, Paul says back in whenever he wrote Romans, A.D. 60 is the date on there. Right? What, 
He says, you know what man's going to do? They're going to develop a system that they know God. They, verse 19 and 20, they know the Creator. Now, this is Genesis 11, Tower of Babel, historically. What did they do back there? They developed out what you and I today understand to be a theological system called evolution. That is to deglorify God, to deglorify God's man. So what do we do? We, we reverse the cycle. There's a reverse here of creation. So when Paul, and, and come back here in 1 Corinthians 1, because we got to get going or we won't get done. He says there in verse 21, For after the wisdom of, the, of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. What did, what did, the wisdom, what did human wisdom do, Romans 1? It reverses everything up. It takes the, the truth of God, verse Romans 1.25, and turns it into a lie. And you go serve the creature more than the creator. It just took everything and put it in a blender and blended it up. But that's the theology part. But the theology part bleeds into the educational system. And now you've got the philosophers of the day, and guess what they... There's no go the golden mean, Plato, all the, and it's like, just whatever you want, you can have. It's like, holy cow, the epics and the Stoics and the Epicureans, it's just a mess. And God says, that's okay. By the way, God is not worried at all in any of this. That's what's fascinating here. He's not, he's not oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He's just like, hey, the power's in the preaching of the cross. Get to it. But because you guys are valuing human wisdom, more than what my word says, there's a consequence to pay. Now, verse 23. 1 Corinthians 1, 23. But we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness. All right? That's Romans 9. Go back to Romans 9. The Jews a stumbling block. Well, how is that? Well, there's a theological opposition to the preaching of the cross. Paul addresses it, Romans 9, verse 30. Romans 9, 30, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness hath attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? All right, why is it? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him should, shall not be ashamed. What, think about that. What does the cross say about human righteousness? That's what the Jews were after, the righteousness of the law. I do, I do, I do, I get accepted, accepted. But what does the cross say? It isn't enough. You can't do it on your own. Look at chapter 10. Look at verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Again, that's my gospel. For I bear them record and they have a zeal, that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. What were the Jews doing? They're out there doing the works of the law, thinking it's getting them something, and all it got them was nothing. 
And you know what? The preaching of the cross became a what? A stumbling block to them. Why? Because they thought human works and human righteousness was going to get them in. And Paul says, come back to 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says, no. <laughs> so to the Jews, it becomes a what? A stumbling stone. To the Greeks, what? Foolishness. Because what were the Greeks? They, you guys, here is a foolish God preaching a foolish message about a Savior, and he's using the lips of a foolish people. Because look at you, not many noble, not many mighty, not many, you know, look at you guys. Who are you guys? I mean, you think about what the Greeks, what humanity does when they look at us. When we first moved in here, we hung a big sign out front because we didn't have the monument sign done yet. And it said, the church that preaches what the Bible teaches, rightly divided. How many phone calls, hey, what is that rightly divided thing? What's that? What's that? So you can just tell them, oh, you're in a cult. Really? What gave you that idea? Because when you look up a cult, that, we're nowhere near any of that definition. Well, you, just, you don't fit in the what? Mainline church. You had the box. You don't fit in the box. So the Greek is, is just foolish. It, you know what? It's, it's foolish to believe that a foolish God is preaching a foolish message about a foolish Savior through the lips of a foolish people. That's, what, that's the Greeks. That's the world. That's these guys. And they pick it up and run with it. The very idea that God would send His Son to die on a cross for the sins of humanity and then go out and recruit people to preach that message. You guys are a bunch of fools. Easily duped. Now, that's what they're saying. That's their, that's their, they may not say it like that, but that's where all that's coming from. Pumping it in. So Paul, verse 24, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. This verse answers both areas of opposition. The power of God, the signs, the miracles, the resurrection. Come over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. By the way, to, to believe that he was resurrected the third day is a foolish idea to, to believe and to think in. Because you know that humanity can't, there's no resurrection from the dead. Paul's going to address that in one whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, deals with that. But where does that, where did that idea even seep into Corinth? What are they? They're following human wisdom and not God's word. Ephesians 1, verse 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead? And set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. You want to see the power of God? You have to look no further than Calvary, the cross. That's why when you preach the cross, it's the death, burial, and resurrection. Because he's raised for our justification. Come back to chapter 124. The power and the wisdom of God. And that's what Paul's been demonstrating, how... Is he dealing with it? Well, verse 19, what did he say? I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. How does he do that? By the preaching of the cross.
cross. When you look at Calvary, what do you see? You see everything, you see it all, and then you look at yourself and say, I can't add or do anything for that, and boom, there he is. The truth that in chapter 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world, I love that, unto our glory. <laughs> Not his own glory. He gets the glory, but unto who? Our glory. He hid this stuff with you and thinking about you for your benefit. There isn't anything out there, the wisdom of God, there isn't anything out there that you and your flesh can do that he will ever accept. And by the way, that goes across the board. That's from Genesis to the book of Revelation. It's always faith in God's word. One ver uh, Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What is the foolishness of God? Verse 18, the preaching of the cross. The weakness of God. I, I, I was thinking about that. And by the way, verse 25 is going to set up now the rest of this chapter, and we'll, and we'll demonstrate that. But come over to 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians 13. When you think about the weakness of God, when is God ever weak? See? Because he's God. But he's also the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the God-man. So when's he weak? Well, 2 Corinthians 13, 4 tells you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lived by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, for we shall live with him by the power of God. I'm sorry, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. When was, the, when was God ever weak? Only one place, Calvary. So when you preach the cross, what are you going to preach? The only point when he was weak, and he really wasn't weak, was he? But when he was made to be sin, in those three hours of darkness on, on the cross, what was he? He was Psalm 69. He was on his way being dragged down into the mire pits of hell. Satan had him. He's weak physically. He's been beat to tar, bloodied by Rome. Physically just spent. But then spiritually he enters that battle with the adversary, that climactic event there on the cross, that great song, it is finished, you know, the battle for the souls of man. And he's weak, but then what happens? He says, it is finished. Gives up the ghost. The third day, the angels look at the ladies and say, why are you living why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. And there's the power of God. So when you come back to 1 Corinthians 1, Paul is, the Corinthians are headed in the wrong direction. There's a consequence here, guys. Why? Because God says, I'm going to destroy the wisdom of the world. I'm going to destroy the understanding of the prudent. And you're living in the consequences of following the wrong wisdom plan. You want to know why you got all these problems and so forth, all of the immorality at Corinth? It's because you have chosen this stuff and not who you are in Christ and live in that, put off the old man, put on the new man, doctrine, truth. And by the way, the way that God destroys all that is by the preaching of the cross. Why? Because everything 
that the Father's doing, the Son does, the Holy centers at Calvary, every bit of it. And because of that, that's where you need to stay. The, the set your eyes upon Jesus, look fully into his faith. You're going to do that in the Word of God, by the way, not in a hymn book. We don't get our doctrine out of a hymn book, okay? We get it here, and that's where we're at. Now, we'll pick up in verse 26 and following because of that issue coming out of verse 25 where the foolishness of God is weaker than men. By the way, what is the foolishness of God? Preaching of the cross to them, to, preaching of the cross that's going to save them that believe. Then he says, look around. Who are you? You're nobodies. Now, at Corinth, there were some people there that were somebody in society. But you're nobody when you come in. Why? Because he took care of all of that. Okay? All right. Dear Father, uh, by, by the way, verse 19, every time you preach the cross, verse 19 takes place. A destruction of the wisdom of the world and the prudent, uh, the understanding. Every time you preach the cross, every time you preach truth, verse 19 takes place. So if the adversary can shut you up, shut you down, then guess what's not going to happen? The wisdom of the world's going to get bigger and keep going and so forth. All right. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word and look into the passage here and the exhortation for us today to take, to maintain uh, your wisdom maintain what you're doing today in the body of Christ and to rejoice in it and to live in it and to enjoy it. In your name we pray. Amen.